want to give me a hand over here? podcast you know oh no definitely not okay okay I'm, I'm ready when you are so welcome this is a friday the 13th recap series with myself i'm connor and uh with me is my friend chris hello well hello connor we get that bit done a bit earlier on uh we recorded a trailer for this and I think it took us five minutes before we said our names, which probably yeah, helped. Yeah, we, we, we never, I think we talked about fireworks and the presidential election before we even we introduced did. ourselves. Um, but yeah, we're going to be running through all of the Friday the 13th movies in order, starting with part one, which we'll be talking about today. I think it's important to note that you, you're you very familiar with the series of films. Yes, I am. And I have not watched a single one. Well, I've watched the first one now for this. I've, yeah, I'm. I've never. I've come into this series fresh. This is an education, almost. It right? is. Yeah, it's an education. But Chris, how do you know me? How do I know you? How, how do we know? That's a very good question. How do I actually know you? Um, we did a master's degree together. In, it's true. In post production for two, TV. Two years ago now. Yeah, two that. years ago. We started yeah. two years ago. Uh, so. so we so we both edit. We both do post production. That's our bag. So uh, we're kind of film nerds. Kind of film nerds, kind of weirdos. You're obviously, I'm more of a film nerd than me because I don't know anything about Friday the Thirteenth. Different strokes, you know. You you might be more that's, of a film nerd. That's true. With, with with different like a different franchise or a different uh, genre, you know. It doesn't have to be so eclectic. It can be anything, you know. That's very true. I watch a lot of random crap. I watch a lot of crap. I'll be honest. Crap's the best though. And if you like crap, you are going to like Friday the Thirteenth. So. Okay, Friday the 13th part one, should we get started? I think we should probably get started. It's not a podcast about our lives, it's a podcast it's, about Friday the 13th. It's a podcast about Friday the 13th. You can't see me, but I'm currently wearing um, what I found to be as close to a Pamela Voorhees jumper That is very I close. I mean, your Zoom Cable background knit. thing keeps, keeps moving off, so... Yeah, I've currently got a Zoom background, so I'm phasing in and out of existence. But I'm wearing well, my. It's actually very voice. close. You, you make a good point. Whilst you're talking about that, I'm going to bring up the IMDb page for this film. Yes. So it can give us some fun facts as we go along. Okay. Well, let's start the beginning. Here we <laughs> yeah. are. We're at um, okay. what a log I mean, cabin. I, I mean, sh should we possibly do? Yes. Should we do basically do a, a recap of the whole film, like a short description? Uh, yeah, I think. I think we should give a, a bit of backstory. Um, like a, so, syno a short synopsis. Short synopsis, if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, if you have seen the movie, obviously you don't need this, but feel free to listen along. So Friday the 13th came out in 1980. Um, came out, obviously, after Halloween sort of rejuvenated and revitalised. Slasher movies, made slasher movies popular. Uh, I, I'd say Halloween... Probably was the most impactful in terms of kicking off that whole wave. Slasher movies existed before that, um, but Halloween was definitely the one to popularise it. And then a director, a man by the name of Sean S. Cunningham, saw the first Halloween and said, let's do that and make money. And Friday the 13th was born out of that. It came only two years after the first Halloween film. So the film was a bit of a no-brainer to make in terms of money. Um, and obviously the sequels after that were a no-brainer as well, just because you can make these films for cheap and you can get millions out of them. Um, so, Chris, have you got you got a bit of trivia about who stars in this movie? Um, I do. The one and only, the face of E.E., e., the phone network E.E. E. in this modern times, is Kevin Bacon. Still one and only Kevin Bacon. Were you shocked by this when you saw him? Do you know what? It took me a while to actually recognise him. What? It, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I think this might be pre-Footloose Bacon. Um, I'm just going to go and have a look at his IMDB page right now and go tell on. you if it was pre-Footloose. I'm pretty sure it was pre-Footloose Bacon. Um, but yeah, uh, Bacon was one of the big ones in this. Um, aren't too many other familiar faces. I'd say Betsy Palmer's probably the biggest in there and she only turns up at the end. Spoilers. It, it was pre-Footloose. Footloose was 1984. Yeah, Footloose was was the big break and break, the, the big bacon break. He'd only starred in five things before um, this movie. Oh wow! And, and a lot of them are like my, either TV series or like minor film parts where he's got something like second teenager. 
So he yeah. doesn't actually have a character title. So it's like his first major um, film, I'd say. So a, a little um, a little plot synopsis uh, for you would be that uh, there is essentially um, there's a camp, uh, Camp Crystal Lake, uh, nicknamed Camp Blood after the incidents that have occurred there. And back in the 50s, a murder occurred. Uh, a murder occurred a year after a young boy drowned in the lake. And essentially they shut down the camp and they condemned it and um, they essentially said, right, fob this off. It's not worth it, which I can completely understand. If, I if can a, completely if a camp, understand as well. Why would you? If there's a double murder at a camp just the year after a, a boy drowns, that, that's just terrible PR. Steve Christie decides, I'm going to rejuvenate this camp in the present day. That's my favourite part of it. My favourite part of the, all the text pop-ups is it just says present day when it pops up um, so is it 2020 so it could be 2020 um that this occurs uh it, it's set later whenever films. you're watching it it's set whenever you watch it's timeless i, I just I, I love when films either give a, a, a little um you know like a duration like the first transformers movie they say the year the, the year is 2012 or the year is 2005 um because they never expect people to be watching that film in that time period. So I think with this movie, they kind of expected to put it out in theaters and then just have it dissipate into the ether. So, so present day lasts forever, but in the present they didn't day, expect it to become a cult classic. They didn't expect it to become a cult classic. Uh, 1980, Steve Christie's reopening the camp and a bunch of camp counselors are getting together uh, to do some preparation work. Hijinks ensue. And that's a little bit of a, Plot summary for you there. And by hijinks, I of course mean murder. I was going to say, hijinks is a very um, light way of describing what occurs over the next <laughs> hour and a half. There is some hijinks. I think the first half of the film is or primarily is, hijinks. No, I'd say there is hijinks. There is some hijinks. Oh, yeah. These crazy kids, they're up to no good. They're messing about on the water. They're doing some some cultural appropriation with Indian headdress. You know, I'd call that some... hijinks. They're smoking some marijuana. Smoking some some reefer. I think that's just Kevin, though. I think that's just bacon. Um, uh, he's the only, only one that I see doing that. But that's bacon's all, the only one that commits to it. They, they don't. They t the kids talk about smoking, but I don't think any of them actually do, apart from Kevin. Well, I think um, Kevin is. He's kind of the. I mean, shall we call him Jack? Which is yeah, his character his, name. His, his character name is Jack. We'll um, stop calling him Kevin. I think. His character is meant to be so. Jack's meant to be the, the cool one, the edgy one of the group, really, isn't he? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, he, yeah, he's. What I like about this film is it doesn't fully commit to the archetypes yet because I don't think they'd all been solidified at this point. So no. you you do have like your sort of your ditzy girl and your your dweeby guy and your jock guy, but they're not as pronounced. So I'd then, say yeah, it's not. They, they're a bit more fluid between happy to flow, but in between sort of like having a bit of a nerdy element to them. Yeah. If, the, even if they're a jock. But the franchise definitely uh, leans more into the archetypes a bit later on. But at this point, I think all of the characters, there, there aren't any characters that are particularly detestable or anything like that. Um, I mean... I think there is from one. having me watch it. I'm, it's not Steve. It's, is it Steve Christie and his red ascot and short shorts? <laughs> I mean, okay, let's just get into it right now. Go on. So, what the fuck is with jorts in this film? There's so many jorts. There's so many jorts. Like, even right in my in my notes, in like huge capital letters <laughs> and exclamation marks right after it. What is with the jorts? So many people wear jorts in this film, yeah. and they deserve to die just because of that. Uh, to, to be honest, the jorts, there is no prior warning to it. Like, if you go on the parents' guide on IMDb, there isn't a, a jorts warning. There's a lot of warning about the blood and, and the sex, but there's no warning about jorts. So if you're going into this blind, jean shorts, people. I mean, it's of the time, I'll say that, it's of the time... I mean, should we slightly maybe wind it back a bit yeah. to the beginning of the film? We should probably I wind think. it back. So we roll up into town. Um, we'll, we'll I know, we're not even at that point yet. Well, should we, should the, we go the, from the, the very preamble, beginning? The very beginning. Okay. Because I've, I've got notes on these to... Um, I have a bit this, of this these, as well. 
Yeah, so okay. we, we opened the film. I'm interested to know what you think about. Uh, we opened, I, I've written googly eyes at Camp Sing Song. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've, I've got... Uh, so should we say what happens? Yeah, let's see what happens. Spoilers for this okay. entire thing, by the way. Okay, so we open in some some campfire indoors. They're all there's camp counselors, young, you know, wide eyed, full of hope and aspirations. Yeah, and they're singing around the campfire with a guitar. Some idiots brought a guitar. You know, there's, all, there's always, always one. Does. There's always, there's always one. one. And they're singing like really wholesome songs, mm. I'd say. And then one song finishes, and there's the two sort of like camp councils looking at each other, sort of like, you know, they're making eyes at each other. Oh, yeah. But the, f- the fact is, so these two characters, these two camp councils leave the, gr- the other group to sing more songs. Yeah. The, other gr- the group is singing more songs around the campfire, and these two leave and sneak upstairs. What I've got written, what I've got here is sort of like, these two kids, they're totally getting killed just for the way they're looking at each other. It's oh, yeah. sickening. Yeah. It's like, they're assuming no one else is noticing how they're staring, the, the, the eyes they're making at each other, because one of them is playing the guitar. So yeah. clearly he's the centre of attention. Mm. And it's like, I mean, we all have eyes, guys. And meanwhile, as this is going on, our point of view killer, a la the beginning of Halloween, has detected that googly eyes have been made and this is enough to trip the senses that um, there's going to be some sex happening. And while this sex I mean, is happening, it has to stop. I, I will say, so like from so like that wider shot point of view, Yeah, I didn't get that that was the killer. Oh, did you not? I didn't. I just thought it was like a, just a wide point of view. Okay. Of the scene. I didn't kind of, it didn't feel like it had that handheld POV that the rest of the killer shots have so yeah i didn't get that until we get up to the um upstairs the, in the bar the later on yeah they, they lay out a blanket to you know yeah they show it on. all they show it all they yeah. don't mind but they have intense sort of like the intense staring that they do <laughs> while they're laying out this blanket it's like it's really weird foreplay it is very like, weird <laughs> It's like, yeah, they are literally staring at each other so intensely. It, it's it's well coordinated as well. Like it he, is. It's like he's immediately feel... on one side of the blanket. She's on the other. They're making sure it's it's pinned down, nice and even. Yeah, I don't feel the kind of rushed kind of intimate love between them at all. No, these two it, characters. It's it's very planned. Um, maybe it's different. Maybe it's different. If you make eyes, someone make make eyes at someone uh, uh, a sing song. Maybe maybe it's a different vibe. Our POV monster makes their way up the stairs, finds them. Our characters seem to recognise this person to an extent before they get completely and utterly destroyed with a knife, I believe. Um, they get murdered one by one. I mean, we don't see it. It's, it's a knife. Oh, no, we do, don't we? I, I believe we, we see that it's a knife. Um, and then we cut to what could be the best opening titles for an editor that I've ever seen. I believe... I fucking hate them. I we, fucking hate them. We go into slow-mo, awkward post-production, not shot for this purpose, slow-mo, where we're just going frame by frame. We fade to white. The white comes out. Then the logo, post-zoom tracks in and smashes glass. It's beautiful. Literally. Imagine, okay, it's 1980. You're in a movie theatre. You're going to see a horror movie, a horror picture, and then big glass smash. Is that a jump scare? Is that a 1980 jump no, scare? No. Uh, it kind of seems like it's more like a, a cheap um, blue and red 3D gimmick. <laughs> but this film wasn't in 3D. Oh, wait until we get to wait until we get to part three. We we, we then move on from the horrific murders um, to present day, as we know. Uh, present day, 2020. Um, I don't think it's or 1980, to be to... depending on what you want. Oh, oh, yeah, depending on when you watch this, it can be whatever year you want it to be. And we join who I always forget is not the protagonist of the film, um, she, Annie. She very much feels like it though when we when we join her. She's a she's got the protagonist intro. She's she um, does. She's new to the area. We get a bit of backstory with her and the trucker. Um, she has a run in with Crazy with Ralph. Ralph. Ralph, oh, Crazy oh Ralph God. is my favourite character. Like, I've got here written, um, Ralph is the fucking murderer. Just look at the way he rides off on his bike. 
<laughs> I love totally the, I love that we cut back to him getting up on the bike and him awkwardly kind He's, of shuffling off. He, he I mean, he, I won't lie, his posture's pretty good. Oh yeah. He's riding his bike and yeah, he's a bit, he's a bit creepy. And like, the, I thought he was the murderer. There is an unraveling mystery with Ralph because Ralph is first introduced to Annie as she's coming through the town, as she's getting hitching a ride with the trucker. And he's not introduced as crazy Ralph. He's just called Ralph at the beginning. He doesn't adopt the crazy moniker until a little later on. Well, I think Annie is, she's introduced to him and like, don't pay attention to him because he's a bit, he's not all there. Yeah. So he's never called Crazy it, Ralph, but no. he's a bit odd. Red Herring Ralph, more like. He, he's introduced he's definitely a red herring, as definitely. a red herring. When Annie was coming through the town, did you have any predictions as like, uh, for instance, did you think maybe it's the trucker? Maybe it's No, I never Ralph. thought it was maybe any of the towns. Ralph? Well, um, no, I kind of, I even though I've got my notes Ralph is the fucking murderer. I kind of knew he wasn't. He was just like, he's so creepy that he, in real life, he could be a murderer. He oh, could have like, done stuff. Like an actual I murderer? Never, yeah, yeah. Like, if it was like real life, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you met him on the street, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd give him a wide berth and that's not with, just because of COVID. I'd be no, like, no. Um, I never thought it was end the trucker. I never thought it was any of the townspeople. Okay. Um, yeah. My main thing, to be honest, through going with Annie through the town was the ADR was really bad the ADR was a little janky it was a little for awkward for those of you that don't know what ADR that means that's additional um, additional dialogue recording so it kind is. of lip syncing audio over the top of what's already there so Annie gets dropped off she gets dropped she, off yeah she's she's had she had a lovely trip in an oil tanker the whole time she's being berated for going to Camp Crystal Lake but he's not stopping he doesn't just refuse to take her he seems like a nice man I'll be honest yeah, but he re- he does she, refuse to go all the way. Well, I don't blame him. Yeah, if you were in that town and you, you knew what happened up there, you wouldn't go all the way. Well, if I had a man constantly telling me there was a death curse. Yeah, but she she was told he was only going. He was going past the crossroads. That's true. She knew you know, what she was getting to halfway. Come she, on, Annie. Yeah, she she knew it was yeah. only offered as half the way anyway. Yeah. So what you're saying is she had it coming. I'm not saying she had it coming. I was saying she knew. <laughs> She, she knew what she was getting into. She knew she was going to have to walk half the way. Spoiler, she does die. She does die. But, um, but when she, when she tries to hitch a second she, ride. I can't blame her for dying because she knew she was going to have to walk some of the way. Yeah. It wasn't like, he, I'm not taking it all the way. He, <laughs> and then you're he never actually refused that. He never refused that. He was always like, I'm going past these crossroads, which will take you up to Crystal Lake. And uh, for I guess for that point, that's kind of where we get up to with um, Annie. Annie kind of goes on her own side adventure until later on. And we get to meet, uh, as we've already discussed, our, our favourite jolt-wearing uh, camp runner, Steve, Steve Christie. Christie. And um, his yeah. merry band of fellow uh, counsellors who all turn up, Bacon and Co. turn up in their own little... Uh, they're on a little car talking about smoking I mean, weed. Smoke, talking about smoking weed and playing some rocking banjo in that car. Yeah, it, it's very folksy. Uh, it's very it bluegrass. Is, it's like very, um, yeah, it's very redneck. Um, the, the amount of banjo that's going on is rocking banjo. It doesn't make out that any of our characters are, are cool in any way. Um, this this was released in 1980, so the, they could have had some kind of like licensed track on the radio of the time period, but instead we have this kind of bluegrass, folksy banjo music. Um, I liked it. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either. Um, and that's where we get introduced to Jack, Nettie, and I believe it's either Brenda or Marcy. I get Brenda and Marcy mixed up. I do. I feel. I feel like they're very interchangeable characters. To be quite honest, yeah, they kind of play the same role. Um, they do, but one is been at the camp already, and one's getting introduced at the camp. Yes. And that's the only difference between them. And so, they die at different points. Yeah, they do die at different points. So that's essentially what differentiates them. And already at the camp is our actual protagonist, not Annie, but also beginning with A, Alice. Alice. Who? Right. Who, tell me when you saw Alice. Did you think, right, this is our actual protagonist? I didn't. I did not at all. I thought it was the three, in the, the three guys in the car with the banjo music. Yeah. 
would possibly... I mean, actually, to be honest, I thought Annie was going to be our protagonist at the she beginning. She gets an introduction. They, they give her a lot of backstory yeah. to someone that they're going to kill very quickly. Which makes sense, because if, if you're going to kill a character off, you want us to you care need, about you, them. You need, exactly, you do need to make sure that people but, care about them. But no one else gets that treatment. It's, it's just no, Annie. I don't know anything about like Kevin Bacon's character at all. All I know about Bacon is, is Bacon wants to get laid and he wants to smoke weed. And that's his, his two character traits. So we get to the camp. We're introduced to the characters. We get to know them all one by one. And they just kind of hang about for a while. Have you, have you got anything for here? Is, is there anything that stuck out to you while they're hanging out? So when um, they arrive at the camp in the car, yeah, the, the three. So we've got Ned, um, Jack, and Marcy, is it? That I, I, said? I think it was Brenda. Oh, Brenda. Marcy, yeah, it was Marcy. Marcy. Okay, it is Marcy. So, so when Jack, Ned, and Marcy are out at camp, um, Steve's he's taking out a tree stump. Yeah, I don't understand why he's taking out a tree stump. He just is. It could be just left there. Um, I don't think he's taking away anything from the camp. It's not like a safety issue or no. anything because it's quite cut down. But I don't also think this. this I just noticed a little thing because he's like, "Come on, guys, help me! You know, get this tree stump out." And they all go over, and it's kind of like effortlessly Just, taken out. I, yeah. feel, I don't feel like it was in there that deep. I didn't believe it. Yeah. As a tree stump being stuck in the ground, he could have taken it out quite easily himself. But then he calls over Alice. Yeah. Who's already which, there. She's been there forever. Who's already, who's already been there. And I kind of thought Steve and Alice, from that interaction where he goes, where he kind of calls over Alice, I kind of thought they were together like they were married or something. I think Alice looks older than she is. Yeah, I, I think that's... Definitely, this... and I think that's because of the time. Yeah. Like the, the dress sense and the hairstyles, because it's the 1980s. But I kind of felt like they were married. There's, there definitely seems to be an implication that those two um, had a relationship of some kind. Um, I don't think... there's. I don't think there'd been anything going on beforehand between them. I think Steve fancies Alice, mm, definitely. Yeah. And it's not reciprocated It's definitely Alice. Not. Alice is too interested but in her books. She is. But Steve, um, at 15 minutes, 26 seconds, he makes a very um, creepy and sinister line. Oh, where yeah? He, okay, he stares at her, like, intently, like, without blinking, and goes... You draw very well. And you kind of is a monotone kind of thing and just stares at her. And it's like really sinister. I'd see, I see. Like, I didn't read you, that as sinister, but I can. I can. I did. I can see how that could be construed as that. I think it was purposefully sinister, though. Is this where your kind of, your Steve I suspicion think, began? At, yeah, at this line? I think no. Kind of my Steve suspicion. Yeah, no. This is where my Steve suspicion began. Um, I think it was intentional because I think they were trying to make him out as it could be a possibility that he's the killer. From there, we end up catching up with our old friend, Annie. She hasn't got too far. She's hiking. She's thumbing, uh, trying to get a ride. Um, at this point, though, um, Steve's driven off. Steve's gone at this point. He's gone. And it's said, the immortal lines, I'm due back a little after lunch. Yeah. Which I'm going to come back to later on in this film. We'll, we'll come back to that because... I'm going to come back to that because I've got a major problem with that line. Because Steve may, in fact, have had lunch at some point. And something else. <laughs> and something else. Um, so we're on the road with Annie. She's thumbing. Uh, I, I, another, I think, is it a Jeep that pulls up? Or It's another. It's basically an identical... So Steve drives off um, yeah. in his Jeep Wrangler, top uh, down. And then we see another Jeep Wrangler. And it's an identical Jeep Wrangler with the top up. <sighs> So, so this is why I think Steve's interactions with um, Alice was completely a red herring. Oh, it yeah. It's intentional. Yeah. But Annie hops in. We get some POV shots. We never get a reverse angle. So we kind of know where this is going. Um, things get... I didn't, actually. Did you I didn't not? Until, until we went past the sign that said um, Crystal Lake. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I need you to... I think we've gone past it. Yeah. Can, can you stop? That's only then did I get where it was going. And she's like, she's not long for this world. She's not long for this world. Can I just commend as well? Um, one of my other favorite parts of the movie is when it gets so desperate um, that Annie just yeets herself out of the car door. She's like, yeah, I'm done that. with this door open. 
just tuck and roll. I mean, she fr- she froze herself out. I, I and that was one of my favorite parts of the film as well. She gets launched. I, yeah, um, it's quite impressive. I've, I've never been I so think desperate. The actress does. I think the actress does her own stunt as well because it's like it's all in one shot. There's no like cowboy switch in it. No, no. It, it's unless there was like a crash mat or something directly there. It does. I mean, unless that, unless that rock was a soft rock, like yeah. they placed there possibly, but it was all very well done. I thought. Oh, it was. Um, and and poor Annie gets unceremoniously chased into the woods and gets her throat sliced in an effect that I think really holds up as, as the first kill. I, I think it does. Like I think, actually, I think all... No, not all. Most of the effects, the killing effects in this film... Oh, they're all great. ...really still, still hold up. There's only one that kind of is a bit weak. Mm. Well, they're all done by um, effect legend Tom Savini, um, yes. who did the effects work for this film... Um, and uh, a couple others in the franchise, um, but he's he's a genius. He's been working in Hollywood on effects forever, and I think he's even got his own school now where he teaches effects work to other people. Um, and yeah, that really lends some, not necessarily fear, but definitely more of the the visceral nature of the kills in this film. Uh, I was impressed. I was surprised. And that's that's the end of Poor Annie. Um, our what well, we thought was our protagonist for now for now we can't kind of, kind of see her again later <laughs> yeah she comes back um, she somehow gets herself back in the passenger seat um, from there we cut to the lake we're at the lake and they kind of they take all the kids have taken a break from doing work around the camp and they're swimming wearing wearing, wearing more jorts <gasps> more jorts there's more jorts from Kevin Bacon, I believe, and possibly Ned. I, I think and I think Bacon is in jorts at one point. Um, we'll we'll get on to what jorts Bacon's is wearing. Defi- jorts is definitely, and um, Bacon is definitely in jorts. Yeah, we, we get um, the girls are in bikinis. Girls are in bikinis, and they're all having a good time and having a fun mess about. They're all chilling, and then we come to when they're all about to go back and start doing work again because someone's a killjoy and like we should be doing work. Damn it, Alice. And, uh, well, it's going to be Alice, isn't it? She, she's it kind of one. She's the drier one. She's the driest character, we, out which them. could be what saves her. Um, I think it is what saves her. Yeah, in the end. Um, but she's the driest character, and she's like, "We should be doing work, guys." Um, so they all decide to come in, and then Ned, who is the prankster of the group, he's a bit of a dweeb. Pretends he's drowning. <sighs> Classic Ned. But this is only so he can get a kiss. It's only so he can get a cheeky kiss, a cheeky peck. Um, this what I realised kind of feels a, it's a bit of this time it's like it's a bit rapey it's a little bit rapey it's a little bit me too so yes Ned's kind of I get it but I also it's kind of a red herring Ned being you know, it definitely is can't. I think this is good but, um, in, I, but this I I knew he was pissing about mm. I can't because the way they introduced him in the car like saying like all he wants is to kiss a girl and stuff like that yeah yeah which is still weird um, it's a bit weird I kind of because the way he set up the character, I knew he was pissing about and it wasn't serious. Yeah. Even though when he didn't, re- for the moment when he didn't resurface, there's a, a split second where I was like, this could be serious. Oh yeah. But then I was like, no. And even when they brought it, they dragged him out of the water to like give, start giving him mouth to mouth. I thought was, I didn't believe it, which can I just point out an excellent moment when they go and grab the um, life preserver Oh yeah, and, and it, it gets just chucked get in. For, <laughs> it gets chucked in for literally a second and gets pulled out again. Yeah, it, it, the the lifesaver goes they make, in, and um, they make a big thing of going and grabbing it as well. Yeah, Alice's job in this uh, crisis is to grab the lifesaver, the life preserver. She throws it in, and I believe one of the other characters kind of pushes out the way because it's getting yeah, in the way. Just chucks it back onto the side. Yeah, so <laughs> it's Kevin Bacon that does that. So Kevin Bacon. Oh, I was really impressed with. Um, Though Kevin, it's Kevin Bacon and Brenda that dive in, yeah, to go and save poor Ned. And I was actually really impressed with the dives. It's like proper, it, like there's um, there's a panning shot when I, I believe Brenda dives in, and yeah, it's it's a full on proper dive. Yeah, both Brenda and um, Jack, yeah, both dive in, and it's proper like um, what do you call them? Uh, it, I'm not a diving the expert. That, the people, no, the people that watch over you when you swim. Oh, lifeguard. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, it's it's, it's, think it's, it. a, it's, it's a proper lifeguard dive. Yeah, I was impressed. Like, would he both lifeguards? 
<laughs> it could have been it could have been hired as lifeguards. Well, guards. I suppose as as, as camp counselors, you kind of want that skill, I guess. Yeah, but well, I was really impressed with that scene actually. In my notes, <laughs> I've got uh, two things in a row. So we cut from this scene to a scene uh, in a cabin uh, involving a snake. Um, and just before before we get on to that, I just want to tell you how this is written in my notes. So obviously the previous scene, we're at the lake um, and there's an awkward tilt shot where we tilt up and um, Kevin Bacon's crotch area uh, becomes center frame almost. It becomes the, at least becomes the object of focus within the frame. And obviously he's wearing a Speedo at that point. Um, and then we immediately He's taking his jorts off. Yeah. So <laughs> I've in my in my notes I've written um real snake gets chopped. And then above that, I am in reference to um Kevin Bacon's snake. So it's it's a it's a double whammy. Um but I for some reason that, that that's burned into my mind now and I can't get it out. Well, in in my notes I just got a snake scene and four exclamation marks. Oh, I thought you were going to say snake scene, brackets, Kevin Bacon, and do it that no, way. No, I, I wasn't paying attention to Kevin Bacon. I just thought it was a really clumsily put together scene. Oh, the, the snake scene? Yeah. Oh, it's it's so awkward. I, th- I, don't, I don't think, um, I don't understand what relevance it served for the whole film, even now. Could you Could you tell it was a real snake that got killed? I could. Was it a real snake? It was a real snake. Um, I could tell, I thought it was real. It was a real snake that really got beheaded. Um, uh, animal rights were a lot looser back in the 80s, especially when it came to um, welfare reptiles. welfare for reptiles and stuff like that um, in film. So it was essentially treated as a prop and that thing got beheaded and it's not really worth it because the scene can, it can be cut. The, s- the scene's shit. You don't lose anything if you get rid of that scene. No. I mean, it's funny to watch and look back at. Yeah, but there's, it serves no kind of plot device. As I was saying, so like you could... I wouldn't have missed it. No, if it was it wasn't in there, I didn't gain anything from it apart from I didn't gain any knowledge from it, any character development. No, it was just a pointless scene. Picture the scene: you're you've just been told by a cop, you've just been warned by a cop not to be smoking weed. Um, he's turned up out of nowhere. Maybe another red herring. A cop appears out of nowhere. Um, he can't, he he kind of felt really creepy. He felt very creepy. He felt like he was. I didn't feel like. I felt like it was like a fake cop. Yeah, I was waiting for the reveal as well back in the day. Um, because he, yeah, he seems like he's putting it on. And then he kind of awkwardly um, bikes away after he leaves. And he, um, he, he looks like he's about to go falls off his bike. Yeah. <laughs> they kept it in the film. They could have cut around it. They could I have. I, I can't believe they kept it in. I'd have redone the shot. Either redone the shot or cut to a reaction shot before then cutting back to when he regains his um, balance. But no, we just see it all play out where he's like, whoa, because it's, it's like a dirt I road. I don't, I don't know why they, they kept it. <laughs> it was very awkward and weird. I don't know. They only, I don't know what they, they gained from having him in it as well. No. Only to say that Ralph was missing, yeah. which come, brings us to the next scene where Ralph's hiding in a pantry. Yeah. I think it, 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 it's all in service to uh, a great reveal because if I was a messenger of God and I came to warn a bunch of counselors that they were doomed, I'd want to do it while hiding in a pantry in the kitchen uh, for no real reason other than to give a, everyone a spook. I thought it was a very good reveal though. Oh yeah. It kind of, it kind of gave me a little bit of a jump scare. <gasps> you were like, oh, Ralph, back again with his good posture in the pantry. Exactly. Exactly. But It was, yeah. I don't know if this is the origin for it, but this is like the antithesis of the crazy you're all doomed guy. I think he says you're all doomed two or three times. I think he does. I'm a big fan I think of that. You might be right. I'm a big I fan of a foreboding right. doom guy. I think you need one. You need someone who kind of speaks the truth in a crazy way. Yeah. But then we've got Kevin Bacon um, as Jack. I'm going to keep referring to his character as Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Anytime during um, this, by the way, if we've said Kevin uh, Bacon. Uh, Bacon, Kevin, or Jack were referring to the same guy. Um, So sorry about that. We're going to keep flip-flopping. Well, yeah, so we've got Kevin Bacon and Marcy on sort of like... Oh, Ned, Ned as well. He kind of runs into uh, um, 
like a little hut by the the water because he hears something. Yeah, and that's the last we see of him. It's the last we see of him. We we see for a bit a silhouette disguised by what appears to be one set of leaves dangling from a branch, which is completely um, masked who this um, silhouette is. And Ned figures he should investigate, and that's yeah. Well, it's the last we see of him alive, anyway. It is, um, but then we've got we've got um, Jack and Marcy, so like having running off from the group to have a bit of alone time, yeah, because they're dating, yeah, and so like they're looking out across a tranquil kind of lake. And where did they go from there? Um, they, they they follow. Well, they don't they, follow Ned they, in, but. No, they don't fall Ned in, but they do end up in the same cabin as Ned has just gone into. Yeah, because it's because the, the rain is about to begin, and they don't want to get caught in the rain. No, so, so they run into this darkened cabin. Yeah, Kevin Bacon he sets the mood. Of course, he like he lights a little candle. Little candle. Start. Um, Marcy starts getting undressed. Yeah, which I was quite surprised about the um, the graphic nature of the sex scenes in this. It's pretty graphic. Uh, well, it's pretty graphic. We, we get an ass grab by 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 nineteen eighty standards. It's graphic. By nineteen eighty standards, we see a bit of back action. We see a bit of an ass grab. Uh, we see a bit of bacon ass. Um, we do. I'm just going to point out in exclamation in capitals. I've got here. Go on. Kevin Bacon is ripped in this film. He is. He's pretty jacked. Um, he's looking good. Um, he's got a good bod in nineteen eighty. And. This was the only, this was the first point I was like, that's Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Oh, that's when you oh, was, when you saw, when this you saw when his I physique. Realized, I, this is like forty minutes into the film. Yeah. And only when he was like lying in bed, I was like, that's Kevin Bacon. Like, no way. As soon as you saw his ass uh, being grabbed, you knew. Yeah. That's, that's I've how seen I this. Kevin Bacon. I've seen this in an EE ad recently. Five <laughs> <or> G. <5G. laughs> yeah. I see him advertising phones with his ass. Can I just say about this scene? It always baffles me. So they both come in. Yes, it's dark. Um, I know what you're about to say, and I've got the same thing. Marcy gets in bed while it's still dark, so fair enough. Um, Bacon lights the candle, so he's visible. Kevin Bacon's like, what, 5'10", 6 foot, something like that, so he's a tall dude. Um, he's a tall dude. I mean, let's be honest, so he's taller than a bunk bed. He can see yes, into a top bunk if I'm he's standing at. up. So um, I'd say he's at least as tall as a bunk bed. I'd say if someone were to be sleeping in that bunk bed, you'd take notice. Yeah, even just like a, a shape yeah, up there, just a lump. you'd be able to see. You'd know. Yeah. Um, well, that goes unseen, and as the camera reveals, um, poor Neddy is uh, up there, uh, Dead. His, his his cold, glassy eyes staring into the camera. Um, but none of the guys seem to notice. Whilst, Ke- whilst Kevin Bacon and Marcy, you know, are getting it on on the bunk below. Yeah, it's a bit of a bacon sandwich. <laughs> you've got you've got Neddy as part of the bread. A bacon sandwich. And you've got underneath, you've got um, the killer Lovely. as another part of the bread. Because I have to assume that, again, spoilers, our delightful Betty Palmer, Pamela Voorhees, it's implied that she's sat under the bed as Marcy and Bacon are getting be. it on the entire time. Just, she must be because Kevin Bacon gets stabbed right through the neck. <laughs> he gets stabbed right like through from the neck. Underneath. So the underneath. Which, to be honest, he gets stabbed through the neck so she's gone through a mattress with this arrow. Betty Palmer So she's she got some like, I mean, she must do because we'll come to it later on in the film when it's all coming to her head. Oh yeah. Oh. But she, so she, she, she's like she's she can take a beating. Can can Betsy Palmer? Um, but the, the the point being, she's under there the whole time. Yeah, she's underneath there. Yeah, whilst there, you know, getting it on. Yeah, which you see a bit of boob in that. You see a little bit of boob. Uh, you see bacon okay. ass. You don't see any bacon sausage. <laughs> um, but we saw that earlier in the film anyway. Um, the infamous the infamous snake scene. Um, the infamous snake scene, <laughs> before, before, which I didn't actually see. I, I don't know why I saw it, but that's where my eyes went. I couldn't help it. It says more about you than me. It was out of my control. It's what <laughs> it's what the camera panned up to, I mean, tilted up to. I guess I guess once you when you start seeing films like more than once, you start to look around the screen a bit more. Yeah. So after Kevin Bacon's abrupt death, yeah. Um, Marcy's gone off. Well, Marcy had gone off. Before Kevin died, yeah. Before Jack died, she was going off to the toilet. I, I just want to talk about how um, Marcy meets her end because I think it's iconic. Go for it. So she does a little walk around. We have a, a bit of a reveal where we pull back the curtain and the killer's not there. And um, as we know, 
Marcy takes an axe to the face. But we get we get two close up shots of her before that. Uh, one where she has a spooked reaction to the reveal that the killer's there, and the second one, her face is just, I've given up. There isn't like an attempt to get away or anything. She's already beginning to react to getting the axe to the face. She's just resigned herself immediately. I always laugh. She just immediately resigns herself to, oh, well, that's me then. And then she gets an axe to the face. And I just, yeah, I love she does. that. She does. I mean, she's made peace with the world at that point then. Yeah. But it just, it, it makes me think of Annie. And Annie, when she gets her throat slit at the beginning, um, she's, she's still like reacting to it when it's happening as if it's terrible. And then, like Annie I said. Annie is the better actress. Yeah. No, no offense to uh, the actress who played uh, Marcy, um, but I think they maybe should have put in another shot. Janine Taylor. Janine Taylor. I think they should have put in another shot of you at least trying to escape in some regard, rather than immediately resigning yourself to the, the cold yeah, embrace it of death. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Well, Marcy, so she gets an axe to the face in the in the showers. We notice, which again, again, another graphic image. They leave, they, they show us with her axe in the face like I'm impressed I'm impressed like I've said it before but I'm impressed with all the sort of like graphicness going on um, in this film like in terms of deaths it's really the effects are really good and then we cut then we cut the rain's coming down at this point and we cut to Steve Steve Christie we're back, we're back with Steve Christie Steve Christie non-jort who is in a diner he's not wearing jorts at this point and he is the top half is covered. Yes. He's wearing a shirt. Very reserved. Um, yeah, but so he, I'm assuming he's been in this diner all day because we're like at <laughs> night now because it's, it's dark and they're building up a summer camp so I can only assume that, you know, the days are long. Yeah. And it's pitch black outside so it's like 10 o'clock at night at least by this point. Yes. I'd say. I love the reveal as well because it, it does seem like he, he was meant to go somewhere else but he's kind of sat and, and looks a bit depressed as if, like you said, that he's been in that diner the entire day, just amusing on his worries. And I can only assume, because he then settles up, because he's like, I should be getting back yeah. to the diner. And then he settles up his tab, and it's the price of one coffee. Which isn't bad. So I can only assume, no, but I can, no, I can only assume he's been nursing one coffee since lunchtime. Yeah, that's probably why the the lady looks so pissed. I would be, but she, he does give her a nice tip. He does give her a nice tip on top of that. Um, um, and but he, what I've got here is so like so he runs out, so he puts on a nice yellow raincoat. I was just about to say before we move on, we lose the jorts, but can we just talk about the cut where it cuts from Steve in his regular get-up? Yes, like you said, he's wearing a shirt now. Very impressed, Steve. You're moving on. You're moving forward. We Alice then, might like you now. We we then cut to uh, the diner lady, and then we hard cut back to Steve wearing the biggest yellow mac I have ever seen. Is, it's a poncho. It's a poncho. It's it's, it's honestly it's huge. If you picture like a stereotypical like yellow raincoat and just uh, scale it up by fifty percent, then you've got what Steve was wearing. It's amazing. It's fucking. It's fucking huge. It's a tent. You could use that as a tent if everything went wrong. It's going to keep him dry, though. As it should, because it, the weather's wet out there. It is. But he, so he he, put, he has this on and he runs out to his his Jeep. Yeah. Um, it's a, and they do this kind of, from the exterior of the um, diner, they do it all in one shot, him running out the, di- the diner yeah. into his Jeep and him starting it and then driving off. And it takes him a while to start it. It does. Like, the shot goes on for a very long time. It's kind of awkwardly long. And then, yeah, our our, our hero, Steve Christie, drives off into the night and we cut back to what we haven't mentioned at all, um, the end of the Strip Monopoly game, which has been going on this whole time. Strip Monopoly? How could I forget? The Strip Monopoly was happening this, this entire time. To be honest, I don't Connor, even think... Have, Connor, have you ever played Strip Monopoly? I've not once played Strip Monopoly. Uh, I didn't Never even know it was I. a thing. I didn't know it was a thing either. Can I just say as well, we haven't mentioned Bill either. Bill is um, the other dude. Oh God, Bill. He's not very consequential. <laughs> He's a very forgettable character. Um, I, th- I think Bill is as close as we get to like a nerd archetype because he knows how to work on generators. 
Um, yeah, he, he knows how to work on generators, and he also plays kind of guitar like classically very well. Yes, um, but we don't we don't get much from Bill. Bill kind of just turns up. He didn't come with the with either of the two main parties. It's never explained where he came from. He's just there. He's just oh, yeah. here's another he, character. He's kind of like Alice, as in he was just there. Yeah, but he doesn't actually add anything to the film. No. Like Alice feels more of a main character than Bill does. Yeah, we're coming to the end of Strip Monopoly when we rejoin the characters. Um, at this point, they're all clueless. They have no idea that everyone's been murdered. Oh no, they have no idea. And they they were make they make um a line of Steve will be back soon. Yeah, and like Steve will be back soon. How has no one been con- concerned where Steve's been? Steve was supposed day? to be back eight hours ago. When Steve dies. This is the first time we actually understand that it's someone that's close to the camp. Because he says the line, hello, what are you doing here exactly? So we kind of know it's someone that's connected to the camp, although we don't still know who at this point. Um, I very much like how it's all the killer shots of POV. You don't actually see anything of the killer. I think it works really well as a plot device. And we you know, at this point we cut away to um, Alice back in the the cabin, yeah, the kind of the mess cabin. Who's just twiddling her thumbs, going, going into the kitchen to go and make some cups of oh, coffee. Oh, the coffee scene, yeah, yeah. What did you think it's of the very, coffee scene? It's a very big kettle. It's a very big kettle for two for two cups of coffee. Yeah, it's going to take a long time. I mean, what? I mean, first of all, I didn't believe there was any water in that no. from the acting point of view. Yeah, it looked very light. Um. Yeah, and I, just, I didn't feel it added anything to the film. The scene. No, <laughs> but that's the charm. Yeah. The, the charm is that it's just, we could just have a shot where Alice decides, right, I'm going to go investigate. But no, she's got to build up to it while actu- actually using every step. It's kind of like a student film in that regard, where you're trying to fill time. So, right, I'm going to make yeah. coffee. I'm going to show every single part of that coffee being made. I think it kind of works as a nice change of pace to everything that's been going on. Yeah. It's kind of a very calm and subdued kind of part to the film. Yeah. But this is the beginning of the final chase, essentially. Uh, this is this is where it, the, the cam gets shaky. It is. Um, well, it is, because just after um, Bill's body has been found by Alice, yeah. a, a vehicle appears. So Alice is real. She's she's alone after Bill's. She see, discovers Bill's body, yeah. and runs back into the cabin, and starts trying to secure the place. She tr- she puts like ties the door ties shut. It. It, it's this she this bit stuff. This bit is kind of it, it. It's it's almost like performance art where the camera's just is. following her, and, and and they've said board up the door, and she's kind of had to make it up as she's gone. Yeah, it very much is. But what I did notice, I don't know if you noticed this, she pulls a trunk in front of the door. Yeah. And on top of that trunk is very much a Freddy Krueger hat. <gasps> is there? There is. I did not notice that. Yeah, it's a Freddy Krueger hat on top of that trunk. Oh, wow. There you go. I thought it was quite interesting to notice. Bit of an Easter egg? Yeah. I, d- I mean, I, it, I, I actually went and Googled Freddy Krueger hat. Yeah just to make sure I, was, I wasn't getting it wrong. See, I, and it is definitely... I thought you were going to say, why did she put, push the trunk in front of a door that opens outwards? I mean... Is <laughs> that too? You know, I, it was, there was that element which I kind of just like, I was suspending Suspen- my disbelief. Suspension of like, disbelief. She'd already kind of tied rope yeah. through the door to keep to keep it shut. I was like, stuff in front of the door could just act as like a trip. Yeah. Like, if someone came through and it could it'd trip over and it kind of slowed them down slightly. Yeah. Um, but then Brenda's body gets thrown through she a window. She gets yeeted through the window. This is actually before Pamela turns up, actually. This, uh, Betsy Palmer. Yeah, Betsy Palmer, the actress why, 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 who plays Pamela. Why are you calling her Pamela? Why are you calling her Pamela? I didn't know she was called Pamela. Pamela Voorhees. All I know is... Yeah, yeah. All I know is... I, 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 see, at this point, I only know is Mrs. Voorhees. Oh, so for, going from here, every time I've said Pamela, it's because Mrs. Voorhees' first name is Pamela. Um, I don't think I think that only really comes up in the sequels anyway, so I wouldn't worry. Um, yeah, so yeah. what do you get yeeted through the window? Um, uh, Alice is obviously very disturbed by this until what appears to be some form of salvation rocks up in a in a blue sweater, in a blue cable knit sweater. Salvation in the form of a, a pearly white teethed Pamela Voorhees, played by Betsy Palmer, 
Um, possibly the best part of this movie. Uh, she's brilliant. And th- what were your thoughts on her when final... she turned up? Um, I knew she was the killer. You kn- Im- immediately, thought, yeah. Well, she turned up in that in the jeep, hadn't she? Yeah. That Annie had been killed in, yeah. kind of. So, and but I was not expecting her to be the killer. No. I don't, I don't, she was. She's not what you kind of a quintessential killer. Is not what she looks like. No. Which I thought was a nice twist. It was. It worked yeah. really well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then when she's kind of acting all so calm and stuff and saying that she used to work at the camp. Yeah. And I was like, are they, are they giving me another double bluff? Yeah. It's quite a possibility. Yeah. She could just be, she and she could be the next one on the list to die. It could be. But then she started to try and, you know, well, she tried to kill Alice. Yeah. Plus the, the reveal that um, she's got little Jason in her head telling her what to do. That's, that's creepy. It's a form of psychosis. Really creepy as fuck. That's, that's, like when, you, acting, that's when you realise. I, I, I yeah. think it was... So we should we should say, so like, she's got Jason in her head who is her son. Yeah. So the little boy that drowned, who dr- as we know, drowned. As, as if you've seen the films, you know it's Jason. Um, but if you haven't seen it, Jason Voorhees is revealed to be the kid that drowned in the lake. Um, and um, Betsy is taking her revenge yeah. on anyone that comes to the camp. Yeah. We have a little bit of a chase kind of going around the campsite. A bit. This final chase, yeah, is my favourite thing. I think it's very good. Um we run about, Alice tries to get in the Jeep and she that's where she sees <gasps> Annie's body Annie. in the passenger seat. Yeah, two people, they hadn't which, met at that point, but I suppose a dead body, no. a, a dead body, a dead body is pretty freaky either way. It is, but I don't, I don't know whether I'd have just got in the Jeep and drove with the dead body in yeah, it. Yeah, I would have said screw it at that I point. Don't know what, what would you have done? Yeah. You have drove? I mean, she she saw the Jeep roll in. I doubt Pamela Voorhees is going to sabotage her own Jeep so I would have just said screw it, but I suppose at that point you're not really thinking logically. I want to talk about Alice hiding in the um, in the pantry, the pantry, former residence of our friend right. Crazy Ralph. Which I was expecting something crazy to be in the pantry when she went in there. To be honest, yeah. yeah but I think first time viewing, you're a little bit nervous that she might be in there. Yeah, I think you definitely are because Crazy Ralph was yeah. hiding in there beforehand. Um, but when she's hiding in there and she does quite I mean let's be honest she does quite a good job of hiding at first yeah. but then she starts making noises yeah. she starts going and, um, and you, exactly and you hear Betsy Palmer like walking around the the cabin and making noises and trying to search Yeah. and then you hear a door shutting and I'm like she's not gone I would not be- never believe for a moment in that situation yeah. that the person's gone no no it's a double. It's a double buff on the form on the on the part of a psychotic person to try and get you to come out. I do love, and then she leans against the door. Oh yeah, like which could just be opened straight away or stabbed and through. Fall backwards or stabbed exactly. through. Exactly. It's not. It's not. It's not like the most um, solid door. It's literally a couple of bits of wood nailed together. Yeah. Can we just talk about the axe coming through the door as well? Yeah. The, oh yeah. Which was. Very shining, very shining. Ask um, which I which I had then had to go look up. Yeah. The which shining. came out first? Um, they both came out nineteen eighty. Ooh, so both in production at the same time. Which then led me, which then led me to go and look at the production crew <gasps> and the um, cinematographers and directors, photography and directors and writers and everything. Yeah. And from what, as far as I can tell, there's no crossover in crew. So that there's no, there's no one leaking. Right, here's the hot thing. Make axe go through door. I can't tell you that there's no one leaking stuff between sets, but there's no, like, just from looking at crew, there's no kind of crossover in crew. That'd be a big coincidence otherwise, right? This chase sequence, I just want to recap really quick. I have a list here of everything that happens to Pamela Voorhees, just how much she gets beat up. I just want to recap everything. Uh, take a list. Go on. So, list it. Um, in my notes, I've put. Pamela Voorhees gets the shit beaten out of her. So first, she takes a fire poker to the back. That's what knocks her out the first time. She then gets a gun thrown in her face. I think I think you'll find she gets um, 
a cast iron pan. Oh, we, we, to we the, get to the face we, first. We get to the pan. Um, she gets uh, random stuff thrown at her. Um, she then dishes out some slaps of her own. That's a, a nice bit that, that uh, Pamela Voorhees finally gets to get some jabs in. She then gets... I felt they were kind of very weak slaps. They, they looked very weak, but the sound effect compensated. Uh, she then gets punched in the gut and then she gets the butt of a gun to the face and then she gets bonked with a frying pan or a saucepan. Um... It's a cast iron frying pan. A cast pan, iron though. pan. And this is after she came in with the two-handed machete grip. She she had terrible form with that machete. If we want to measure form, peak form is Ralph on his bike. And then <laughs> bottom form is deciding to two-hand wield a machete and go in with a power swing, miss, and then get bonked with a cast iron saucepan, <laughs> frying pan. Definitely. She was, she was asking to lose this fight. I don't understand how she is has found it impossible to kill to kill Alice when she's killed everyone. She's killed else. everyone else. She she stabbed she stabbed Kevin Bacon through the throat with an arrow. I mean that was a bit underhanded. It was a bit underhanded, but it was still five layers, so she must have some strength. But she needs two yeah. hands to swing a machete. Are you kidding me? I, I know. On, Pam. Maybe maybe she was tired at this point. It'd been a long yeah, evening. Yeah, it'd been a long evening, and she'd been knocked out several times prior um, to yeah. that point. But I mean, I've got. She can take a beating in my notes. Oh, I've written. She can take one hell of a beating. Right. So this sequence happens, and then we get to a canoe, the canoe. Where where you think it's it's over? Yeah. You think it's over? You think everything's over at this point? Yeah. I love that reflection I, shot. I I, def, I definitely thought the film was kind of over. Is you know done with? Yeah. What you thought? Betty Mrs. Palmer Voorhe- got taken out with a pan, and that was it. I was like, yeah, I was like, she's been taken down. <laughs> That's her done. Oh, because she does bleed, to be fair. Yeah, they, they, yeah you see her head bleeding. Yeah. They do a very good job of kind of misleading you. This film is full of misdirections. Yeah, so then, so Betsy Palmer comes out of nowhere as Alice is like knelt down by the water. Chilling at the water, looking at a reflection. Thinking, what the fuck's just what happened? What the hell? How, how did that lady take so many beings? And then she's surprised, yeah. uh, I can take another... And then, yeah, another fight ensues. She instinctively, Alice, to be fair, instinctively grabs that oar and yeah. goes in, goes into the fight with a weapon. Wait, yeah, I mean, that's good instincts going on. Yeah. But then, then, <laughs> the immortal scene. That one. The decapitation. I'd like, to, I'd like you to run me through your reaction. Um... My reaction was, wow. Yeah. That's fucking gruesome. <laughs> it's it's, it's like, gruesome. Um, and then I was like, I was like, yeah. this is kind of, it was my most, uh, um, out of all the deaths in this film, yeah. it's le- least believable in the special effects. Yes. <laughs> but I was like, they're literally just showing a decapitation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, they, go, in, they go all in on the decapitation and I love the the hands that come up and start like gripping into the air like no i've been like a cartoon slow film motion as well slow-mo yeah you know you know it's coming as soon as alice goes in slow-mo and she's coming in yes. in slow-mo with to be fair i think alice goes for the the, the two-hand wield as well kind of like uh, pamela she, yeah she, she she does um, um i think it could it might have worked nicer with a michael bay element to it from you know different angles oh yeah it definitely could have. It, just you see it go over and over again from different angles. Yeah, I think it could have been and, nice. And, and Pamela um, brings in my old favorite, which is the "Oh no, I've, I'm going to die now" reaction shot from earlier, where she just her eyes widen ever so slightly, widen. and she's like, "Oh no!" Like she doesn't even try to fight back after that point. She knows she's losing her head. So Alice chops her head off, yep. and then decides just to get in a canoe. As you do, you wouldn't go back to the car. Which you know works. Well, I mean, does it, yeah, but there's a dead body in the car. There is. And she doesn't have an oar because the oar just got destroyed. She just canoes out. That's true. She just pushes herself out and floats off. Into the lake. Into the lake. And then sunrise. Here we are. I, I really want to know what you think here because I remember, not, not to give it away before you say what happened for, for you, but when I first watched this, I had a genuine jump reaction that I did not expect go on so first of all the police arrive I'm like why are the police arriving at this camp yeah 
what's led them to, you know, come to the camp. All of all of this is understand. all of this is scored with eighties synth, by the way. Yeah, I was like, why is why have the police come to the camp? But there's been no reason, unless it's because Steve's car is still yeah, where yeah. it was, and it's not been picked up, which was crossed my mind. But I was like, still, how would they know? Yeah, how do they know all this has gone on? There's been no phone calls made. No, you know, there's nothing untowards, and this camp's like in the middle of nowhere. It's like twenty miles out of town. Yeah, yeah. So here's what happened, guys. Jason, what, Jason we, what we assume is Jason is um, kind of jumps out of the lake and tips her out over the canoe with Alice in yeah. it. Yeah. As, um, as a weird as like kind of gl- little seaweed goblin. Like mer- yeah, he's kind of like a, a mermaid goblin creature. Yeah. And yeah, I got, it scared me. Yeah. It was a jump, good, good jump scare. And then it cuts to Alice waking up in hospital. Yeah. I think I think part of what works about that scare, uh, or what worked back in the day for me at least, is because... I recognised the dead space in the frame that was that was there waiting for something to be in it. And that anticipation was like, right, what the hell's going to happen? I I didn't notice that. I was just, I just thought, I was like, oh my God, the film's over yeah. And then, bum, bum, I was ready bum, for it to be bum. over. Um, and yeah, and then Alice finds herself in the hospital. Um, she's getting quizzical looks. No one believes her. I mean... And then she's go. Then she's she's asking, "Is Jason? Is Jason still alive? He's still there." And he's like, I'm "Who's like, Jason? How? Who's Jason? There was no one else. It was just you. This is the police officer." Yeah. But also, why would you think that? Why, as Alice, why would you think Jason's still alive? Yeah, he looked like a monster. Yeah, I, I would naturally assume that was some sort of swamp monster. To be fair, yeah, he, he definitely looks like a swamp monster. Yeah. I'd have just been like, "What the fuck?" No was offense. It? Yeah, Jason is deformed. To be fair, but. That's not me having to go at, at, you know, deformity. It's more if a seaweed-riddled, uh, pale swamp monster jumped he, out at me. He didn't look. He didn't look human. He, did, he looked humanoid. He looked humanoid. But he did not look human. No. So naturally, I would say, is the swamp monster still out there to the police? If they ask me, I'd probably get the same look, and he'd be like, "What, what are you talking about, swamp monster?" Um, you were just by yourself in the in the canoe, in the canoe. when we arrived. There was no swamp monster. Exactly, and 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 then she asks, "Is everyone, is everyone still alive?" <laughs> Yikes! I mean, she saw half of them. To be fair, oh, um, pull on shirts, pull, pull on collar yeah, shirts. Took on collar. <laughs> um, sorry to tell you this, Alice. Um, you should kind of pick up from the fact that you saw at least three, four people dead. Um, that you, she saw one, two. Yeah, she saw four. She saw out four of, people dead out of the six. And that's and that's the end of Friday the Thirteenth Part One, or or as it was called back in the day, Friday the Thirteenth. I don't think there was initially a plan for a part two. I think part two only came up once this film made bank, and then they said, "Right, do it again, but do it with Jason," um, which I think is is the original pitch for Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. <laughs> do it again, but with Jason. So, what did you think overall? Um, I liked it. I'm looking forward to watching the next one. I did really like it. Um. It was very of its time. It's very of its time, but it that kind of gives it a bit of charm to it. I'll say, yeah. Um, I, I'd say if you if you're watching these films for the first time, don't expect them to be great. Don't go in with like high expectations. Go go in with the uh, knowledge at least with the first few. Um, I'd say the first few go in with the knowledge that they are films of their time. Um, some of the effects will look a bit dated, or some yeah, of, some of the effects though, will still hold up. Some of the effects like the, really the, hold the, up, the, especially like the Kevin Bacon killing scene and uh, the Annie killing scene. Will, I think would still hold up. Yeah, who doesn't love a good um, axe to the face kill? Um, yeah, yeah. I think Tom most... Savini's brilliant. Everything he's done is brilliant. His effects work is top notch. Fair enough. So here's a question for you. Go on. What what what's your star rating out of ten? <gasps> out of ten, um. Okay, I've I've got a lot of fondness for this movie. Again, it's the first one I saw. Um, it was one of my first experiences with like a slasher movie. I've seen that final chase scene at least 10, 12 times just from watching it through out of context. So for me, it's... Is, I, is, this, is your star rating related to nostalgia? It's, it? it's nostalgia. So in terms of recommendations, I recommend seeing the film. 
in terms of right, in, what kind of quality do I think this film is? I'd say it's around a six. Um, I'd, agree, I'd agree with you on that one. I don't think it's, 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 a, it's, it's a great movie by any any means, but I love this movie in that I love all of these movies. Um, so my ratings will go down <laughs> in terms of stars, but I will always recommend most of them, not all of them, as you'll see. But I, I would say about a six. What would you say, a six? I'm going to go with a six. Yeah. I am the um, the overall rating on I am... DB is a 6.5. Okay. I'll tell you. So that that's kind of the consensus anyway. It's around a 6. So it's kind of the consensus anyway. Yeah. Um, so check but, it yeah. out. Um, obviously, uh, if, if you haven't seen the film, check it out. If you have seen the film, uh, let us know what you think. Um, yeah, any final thoughts, Chris? On to the next one. On to the next one. So join us next week for Friday the 13th, part 2. You want to give me a hand over here?